coming at you from the 37th parallel on America's haunted highway, it's Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Welcome to Pixelated Paranormal. I'm your new host, Henderson Man. Um, I don't know how this happened. I just happened to show up at this location and there was a microphone here and I picked it up and suddenly it said I was the new podcast host. Sounds a lot like that new game Control. But what's that? Do I hear the old podcast host in the background? Like in a little discombobulated little voice like a ghost? What the what? What's going on here? Man, this motherfucker had us in the trunk. <laughs> what the fuck's going on? One minute we pull over to get some gas, and next thing you know, this old bastard hog ties us and throws us in the back of a car. Put Steve's dirty underwear in my mouth. Hey. Shit. I hope what? there wasn't any shit in it. Why would you go that far? Why would you make it that gross? <laughs> uh, oh, hell yeah. Look who's back in the driver's seat. Yeah. Who? You. Oh, me. Sorry. <laughs> yes, you. Yeah. I took the keys and everything. You Hell guys yeah. are in the back seat because yeah. I'm taking well, well, control. Actually, I want to pull out. I want to <laughs> point out that uh, you know, since this is like a 1959 Cadillac, like it's got the big front. Uh, you know, uh, what do they call that type of seat? Uh, the bench seat. So mm-hmm. there's actually enough room for all of us. We just lie to Steven all the time and tell him he's in the back seat. <laughs> I'm just like the awkward kid in the middle tonight, but uh, just don't, no, nobody feeling Steve that there's enough room in the front for him, okay? You're always the awkward kid in the middle. Even when there's just two of us, you always sit right there in the center. Can I shift? <laughs> yeah. Can I press the gas pedal, Daddy? Oh, man. Speaking of Daddy, Daddy's back. Aww. It was like two years ago when Rob said he's going to the store to get milk and cigarettes, and we never saw him again. Yeah, yeah. I'm back now. I'm back. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, welcome back, dude. It is so good to have you back. I'm very excited. Yeah, well, let's get through this show and see if you're still excited. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. So I think to start things off, we will just jump right into the news and not waste any time. And I'm going to start things off with a little bit of space crime. NASA astronaut Anne McLean has been accused by her spouse of committing the first ever space crime. Summer Warden, a former Air Force intelligence officer currently living in Kansas, has been amidst a bitter separation and parenting dispute for a couple years now. She was surprised whenever she got a notice that she was uh, being summoned by her estranged spouse about her spending habits. So essentially, Miss Warden put her intelligence background to work asking her bank about locations of computers that had recently accessed her bank account using her login credentials. The bank got back with her with one answer. One terminal used to access her bank account was a computer network registered to the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. So what that big word salad means, guys, is Anne McCain was a decorated NASA astronaut and she attempted to access her ex's bank account from space. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of crazy astronaut stories out there, you know, mm-hmm. uh, over the years. Like, there's that one where that drove down in a diaper to Florida to, and tried to kill her ex-husband's new girlfriend oh. or something. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, there's always Holy been cow. some kind of crazy astronaut story. I don't know, something about going up in space. Maybe it just makes you uh, go a little Space goofy. case. 
Yeah. Maybe when you get out there and see the great beyond of nothing, you realize how large the world is and how insignificant you are. <laughs> Maybe when you see the great nothing, you think, oh, shit, I should take all my wife's money out of her bank account real quick. <laughs> <laughs> what you got to do? Call the cops on me? I'm out in space. Is that why Trump's making space for us? It's just the space cops? <laughs> oh, anyway, Miss McLean says that she had actually accessed the bank account from space, insisting through her lawyer she was merely shepherding their still intertwined finances. But her ex-wife says, no, that's not at all what happened. She filed a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission, and her family logged one with NASA's Office of Inspector General... Accusing accusing Miss McLean of identity theft and improper <laughs> access to her private bank. But Rob, beyond that, I have another question for you. Yes. Where's the beef? I don't get it. Yeah, you will. The entire ingredient list for a Dairy Queen hamburger, the company says, is beef from cows, not humans. But at a Dairy Queen in South Carolina, they had to turn around and divulge their entire secret ingredient list because somebody accused them of selling hamburgers made out of human flesh and not beef. What? <laughs> I eat a lot of I eat a lot of Dairy Queen hamburgers from time to time. Man, is that why I've always got the shakes? <laughs> the trimmers. <laughs> so it seems to begin back on Wednesday of last week when the federal agents surrounded a Dairy Queen location in Greenwood, South Carolina, as part of an investigation that led them to the home. I'm sorry, to a home and also a convenience store. The restaurant manager, Safe Momin, told the newspaper that a corporate inspector informed him that somebody complained about human meat inside their hamburger. What a weird story. Isn't that such a bizarre thing Wait, to like? How did he know what human meat, like, how did he know it was human meat? Like, has he tasted human meat before? Be like, ah, oh, damn, they, they fed me Fred. <laughs> There's a fingernail on this hamburger and along with the finger. <laughs> <laughs> Mobin says if that was the case, we'd already have been shut down. Rumors apparently sprang from Mobin's comments with such force that an Index Journal reporter found himself personally calling the Greenwood County coroner for an official statement that human beings were not, in fact, being cooked in Dairy Queen's hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> the county coroner, Sonny Cox, says, I promise you, I've never had anything of that nature asked of me. I've never been suspected of anything like that. I can honestly say that's the first I've ever heard of it. And I don't see any other validity in that at all. There is little to no chance of something like this ever truly happening. Two men face federal charges as a result of the FBI probe for allegedly running an unlicensed money transfer business, not for anything related to Dairy Queen's hamburgers. <laughs> Maybe that's the only way they could get cops there because the cops were like, they called the cops and were like, hey, I think they're doing some illegal money laundering. Sir, we don't have time to investigate such things. We got bigger crimes. Okay, they're cooking humans. Let's get down there, boys. Wow. A gentleman by the name of Mr. Patel apparently was keeping cash hidden in trash bags in his attic at the home the FBI went to and elsewhere, according to one probable cause affidavit filed in the federal court in South Carolina. I mean, Sean, you know, I kind of get it. You don't write checks when you're buying human flesh to make your hamburgers out of. That's you gotta true. Have cash. Dead presidents don't talk. 
Uh, a you, man don't go, using the- you don't go flashing your credit card saying, hey, give me some of that boy, that man meat. Yeah. Wait, no, not prostitution. Ah, I'm going to jail. Mm. A man named Eddie Patel, the affidavit says, also stored over $200,000 in an unlocked safe in the back of the Dairy Queen restaurant in Greenwood. Okay, there's definitely something going on there. Wow. So, no, I think you're right, Rob. I think you're exactly right. I think somebody's money laundering, and the only way they can get the FBI there was to say that they're serving people. I'd have, I'd have cracked this bitch wide open. Golly, look at that. And then the last news story I got here, um, I haven't actually read this all the way through, so I'm going to try to kind of skim it. But apparently, a defense agency has asked people to help find dark underground tunnels ASAP. And the people being asked were like, uh, what the fuck? Apparently, DARPA, the research yeah. agent, <laughs> DARPA, the research agency within the U.S. Defense Department. Okay, let's back this up, because when I read this story, too, I'm like, look, who the hell hasn't heard of DARPA? Right. At this point, every time one of them cute robot videos come up of a guy attacking one with a hockey stick or the dog that's going <laughs> to kill us all one day, no one's, and it says DARPA's responsible for this. Uh, They've never said, oh, who's DARPA? We all know who hey, DARPA is. Not 93% of the population may not know who Steve DARPA is. Steve doesn't know who DARPA is, okay? Let's let's calm down here, that's okay? True. For Steve's sake. <laughs> Steve thinks DARPA is the main character in DARPA yeah. and Greg. <laughs> DARPA or the Defense <laughs> the Defense Advanced Research Project Agency oversees research and development initiatives aimed at developing breakthrough technologies for national security. So they announced a while back, attention city dwellers. They dwellers, yeah, cuz they're also gangsters. Attention city dwellers DARPA tweeted on Twitter Wednesday morning. We're interested in identifying university-owned or commercially managed underground and urban tunnels and facilities able to host a research and experiment. Able to host research and experimentation. Now, did I make this up in my head, or did Stephen talk about some tunnels under Wichita? Stephen and I talked about tunnels in El Dorado. El Dorado, okay. Yeah. That's where it was at. But there's, there's an a witch, or there's an old nuns convent that's connected to tunnels in Wichita, where supposedly they did sat- satanic sacrifices, mm. and then they covered it up with a uh, like a uh, an apartment complex and like sealed it off. So I had this guy at work that was telling me all about it uh, when we were talking about the Wichita Sanitarium, like you know twenty. Episodes yeah, we ago. talked about that on the uh, the yeah. second live show we did last summer for um, Wichicon. Yeah. Huh. They tweeted, we know it's short notice, but we're looking for answers by this Friday. The tweet included photos of dark, windowless underground spaces with hardly any exits. Slightly familiar to scenes from, you know, Silence of the Lamb, Psycho, Saw, and Criminal Minds. Wow. That just seems (laughs) awful ominous and creepy. Why do they have to have it by Friday? You know, what's going on? Yeah. That's bizarre. They followed up and said, the ideal space would be totally underground with a complex layout currently closed off from pedestrians or can be temporarily used for testing. What? Why, why would you ask, hey, do you guys know where any tunnels are at that are not accessible by humans that uh, you've accessed? 
Well, you know, urban exploring has become a huge deal over the like last five. Oh, or for six sure. Years. Yeah. So I my, mean, I believe my brother uh, had actually discovered some tunnels in El Dorado and some really strange stuff. Yeah. <sighs> we should go urban explore. We should. You think we could find a tunnel from here to Kentucky? Yeah, probably. Yeah, we could go to Mammoth Cave. I heard those tunnels go all the way across the U.S. And you'll hear about it ad nauseum if you go on certain days when that guy's there. <laughs> oh man it's like old times rob speaking of old times that's a segue you you want to hit us with some old uh, rob's robots sure rob's robots coming at you from the 37th parallel from the basement of a mad scientist it's more fantastical tales of rob's robots a Buddhist temple has uh, recently acquired a $1 million creature bot, I guess you could basically say. Uh, a robot yeah. that teaches um, people about Buddhism and, and such. And uh, I, it's very interesting. Uh, I watched a little video about it, but, uh, you know, it speaks Japanese and Chinese to teach mm. uh, people uh, the ways of Buddha. And they spoke out and said they don't see it as being... Um, negative in any way because uh it's not about having a soul it's all about the journey of buddha mm -hmm, uh and mm -hmm. not exactly about the journey of a soul and um so that's why they don't feel like it's a it's weird to have a robot teach it um but you know it's a it's a tall robot it sits up there and it, it speaks uh speaks its thing it, it's just it's very interesting mm -hmm. uh you could almost make some kind of like sci-fi novel out of this about a god that actually would start, you know, speaking through this thing and ooh. And you know, like people starting to believe it, like and even you know, that would just be what would that what would that do? I mean, think about that. If that robot started suddenly giving out new teachings through whatever AI or something that's in it and that people that, started believing it and I mean, you know, it almost sounds like something straight up out of Isaac Asimov, you yeah. know, one of his books. I mean, cuz the cool thing to me is this robot will never grow old. It'll never die. Essentially, all it's going to do is keep on learning and evolving and updating itself through the AI. And also, it has no real, well, it doesn't have a bias yet. This could be total Skynet, you know, but it doesn't have a bias. It doesn't care if you can donate 20 bucks or $2,000 every Sunday, so to speak. You know, I know this is Buddhism versus what mm -hmm. I just mentioned, Christianity. It has no dog in the race, so to speak. All it wants to do is find people who desire to learn and teach it as a worshiper. That's all it cares about. But what's weird about it, if you think about it, too, is how much of it is actually a robot and how much of it is just a computer? Because, mm -hmm. you know, you can program a computer to say anything. So if it doesn't right. have any AI, basically it's just a computer that's doing the teaching. And why would you... I can't imagine that you would sculpt too much ai with this mm -hmm. because if you by doing so you know it's it's gonna it's the, the teachings never really change over over time usually right. that's one of the things in religion is they still have the same teachings no matter how old-fashioned and idiotic they can be mm -hmm. uh they still hold to those facts unless there's come suddenly a new book and the bible shows up oh everybody <laughs> we got to believe the new testament now uh um, the book of bender <laughs> yeah so but like you know, if there if there are gods, like I could, you know, wouldn't it be weird if it just started talking through this robot and 
you know, and then to come to find out it's a hacker or something like that. He's all suddenly he's got controlling parts of the religion. It's, you don't know. I mean, it's just, a, uh, yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. It's neat. Um, but, uh, they said that in Western in, in Western society, it would never take off because of our racism, <laughs> a prejudice against robots is basically what the story right. said. Um, because you know, but in Japan, you know, they have cute robots and stuff everywhere. So, well, true. They actually have a. Uh, I'm trying to think of where it was. Um, they had a robot in somewhere in Japan, and its name was Pepper, and it actually went uh, on to be programmed to read scriptures and chant prayers and beat drums during Buddhist funerals as a uh, alternative to low cost, or I'm sorry, as a low cost alternative to hiring monks to do those actual, uh, you know, procedurals. That's got to make hmm. the monks angry. Wait, yeah. I mean, does then it? That Buddhism, the purpose. Well, Buddhism isn't about, you know, a soul or following a god. It's basically just following, you know, Buddha's path to enlightenment. So what's it matter if a robot does it or, a, you know, a god? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. It's an interesting concept. And I wonder if in 30 years, if I, you know, I honestly, I wonder about religion in 30 years to begin with because yeah. I feel like there's not as much peop many people going into religious uh, things as there are people getting away from it. I mean, you can we'll, see that we'll, coming. We'll probably get back to a more of a spiritualistic view of the universe and everything. Mm -hmm. And, you know, main religion's probably going to die down. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, or main religion, to say relevant, will intertwine spirit, more spiritualistic ideas there you into go. it to keep the mainstream people on or like borderlands dlc that we played the other night there'll be a robot marrying everybody and point out that his big catholic hat looks like a shiny penis so. <laughs> oh man rob you never played the headhunter dlc for moxie's uh valentine's day marriage whatever it was but uh -huh. yeah there was a catholic robot it was hilarious <laughs> I you were my tell hat me was... looks like a giant penis <laughs> <laughs> so you know I mean, maybe mm. robots could save religion, or well, at least the thing about religion that kills me the most is like I still, I still, I think we all do. I still fight with faith and religion. I still believe there is a God, but I think it's so, it's so far deconstructed from you know the the church because the last time I went to a church, I, I think it was a Baptist church, and I think half of the pastor's sermon was him talking about how he went to Applebee's how the waiter made a mistake and said, oh my God, and then the preacher cut him off and said, son, do you even know your God? Do you, can you even preach one word of the scripture, my son? And then it ended with um, him complaining, getting half his meal for free, and then on the line where it said tip, uh, he left a passage for the waiter to read as a tip, and he felt like that I was would... a good enough tip. Ugh. And I'm like, and then shortly after that, he passed around the donation plate. And that is when I finally decided I can't go to church anymore. You didn't leave him a tip? <laughs> <laughs> if I left him a tip, I'd probably be uh, stoned on the way out and not in a way that's illegal. <laughs> I think being stoned either way is illegal. Uh, you might be right. <laughs> Tarred and feathered. That's probably illegal, too. Oh, man. Well, yeah. Rob, I'm happy you came on the episode. And kind of like a little bit of what we talked about last night was... Um, you're playing a new video game, and that is kind of how this whole thing got started, was us playing video games late into the evening and then talking about weird shit, and then conversations just spiraling down whatever hole they went. So 
do you want to kind of go ahead and get into it and uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been playing? Yeah, so I picked up a new game called uh, Control. Um, and what this game, uh, why this game really fits in with uh, uh, our topics and stuff like that is it really covers a lot of the supernatural uh, stuff, kind of in like an X-Files type of way. Um, mm-hmm. But also there's a lot of David Lynch type of stuff in there as well. But the the idea of the game is that uh, you are uh, you find this agency called the Federal Bureau of Control, and the only way that you ever find this place is if it wants you to be found. Um, and basically, you travel through this complex. And I haven't finished the game. I'm probably I still had a lot of achievements left that were secret, so it's still probably probably about a quarter to probably one third of the way through it. Mm-hmm. But uh, so. Basically, the Federal Bureau of Control is a an organization that uh, uh, looks into the supernatural stuff. Although they call it paranatural in the mm-hmm. game world, and it takes it takes everything about supernatural stuff very serious. But like the humor in the game comes in these little uh, uh, like dossiers that you find laying around, where you know it says when when we dis- when we discuss uh, the death of an agent, we use terms like. You know, he was a, he fought hard or he was a great agent and stuff like that. We we also try not to use words like Alaska, scissors, rubber ducks. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, what does this mean? And then later on you find out like, oh, OK, that makes sense now. But when you first hear about it, it's kind of like, wow. So this game just covers a lot of supernatural stuff. Um, there's a lot of they talk about astral projections. They talk about teleportation they talk about uh, uh, alternate realities um, and and stuff, and I thought it would be kind of cool just to hit a few stories about things that this game kind of covers, like in that we hear like alternate uh, dimensions and stuff like that. So right. I found a few stories, um, and also, uh, but to first get off, uh, there's in in the game there's a little if you find a TV you can find this TV show called Threshold Kids and. Basically, it's a real creepy little cartoon puppet show where, uh, like, there's these two kids and they're like, "Well, my daddy went. My dad went to the uh, went to the also got astral projected and he never he went on a mission and he never came back." And then like the little girl just like creepily looks at the camera and goes, "We'll go find your we'll go find your dad, Timmy." We'll find him. And just like, and it just stares Ugh. at the camera way longer than it's supposed to be. And it's just like really creepy. Like, so, you know, it's like there. And then, so like later on, you find a dossier like, Hey, we should, you know, we should really corner the market on kids television and getting them to know all about our agency through uh really well acted puppet shows. And it's like, <laughs> it's very like tongue in cheek, but everything else is so serious. It's like, yeah, that'd be a great idea. It's like, oh, somebody floated this idea to create this TV show to talk about the Bureau, but then, like, the the, the pilot episodes are just so, like, creepy that, like, no kid would ever watch this. It would, it would be... It almost reminded me of that first episode of, um, that show was about the creepypastas. Where they I was getting ready to say, yeah, uh, Channel Zero Candle yeah. Cove. Yeah, that first, yeah, the, the Cove episode, you know how they had the puppets and the kids? Oh, it was all that kind of weird. Yeah. It's just kind of weird. And That's I found the exact a couple more same episodes. thing I was picturing when you were yeah. telling that story. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of that kind of thing. And, like, it it seems like it takes a lot from pulp culture. Um, Like, you will uh, you will find videos from this guy named Dr. Darling, 
And they're almost, uh-huh. they're like, uh, if you'd ever seen the show Lost, they're almost like the Namaste videos where the, the, uh, the, the Chinese guy would always talk about some experiment that they were doing on the island back when Dharma was the Dharma initiative was running it. And huh. I mean, they're just shot the same way. And they even give you that same invocation of that. You're like, Oh wow. That's just really, that's really neat. But then like, as the game goes along, you can see like the scientist starts to lose it a little bit each and each and each time that he meets something new that he oh. can't explain. And it's just, it starts falling apart and it's just like, Wow. So, uh, but like one thing this game does is uh, you're trying to find what happened to your brother. You find this organization. And when you go into the organization, they tell you, you meet a janitor who's got like a weird voice. And he's like, you need to go talk to the director. And like, literally, this is like the first five minutes of the game. You walk in the director's office, you find him dead with a self-inflicted gun wound. And there's a gun laying there called the service weapon. And as soon as you hear like something coming, so you pick up the service weapon. And as soon as you do, basically it says you you're now director of control. And you're <laughs> like, you, you didn't come here for any of this stuff. And like, just like weird shit like that. It's like, Oh, suddenly you're the director. And like all the paintings that you'd seen that you'd passed on the way up to the office that were of the director are now you. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just really, it's just a really cool. It's just a really cool game. And, like it, it may not run particularly well right now. It has a lot of issues. Like if you pause and when you come back, it'll like kind of stutter for a bit and it'll get you killed. And it's kind of a hard game, but oh. I just really love what the story is and and how creepy it, it is and um, and such. So I definitely would recommend if you're into the the supernatural to check it out because there's there's definitely something there for people that that love that stuff. Um, oh yeah. But, so uh, how is it as far as is it fairly action filled? I mean, is it there's some something... puzzles? There's a lot of action. Cool, hell yeah! It's mostly shooting, uh, and then like solving like solving like simple type of puzzles yeah, and yeah. stuff like that, you know. Nice. But it's like oh, but you get powers like you get like psychic powers too. Like you can like there's a power called what is it called? You basically just like. Any object in the game, you can draw it to your hand and throw it back at enemies to hurt them. Mm-hmm. And it's it does a lot of things really cool with that too. Like if there's like if you're like aiming for like a fire extinguisher on the wall behind somebody, when you pull it, it'll smack the person in the back of the head as it comes to you. <laughs> and then you can throw it back at them. Uh, you can put up like a and if there's nothing around, if you're not aimed at anything specific, it'll just tear chunks out of the floor or, or the wall that you just throw at people. Oh so, wow! Yeah, it's. It's just really powerful. But every object in the game that you find is just like some kind of real life object. Like I learned the ability to like do a, like a dash to the side so that I can get out of the way of bullet fire really quick. But when you find it, it's like a, it's like a, a horse, uh, uh, carousel, like the carousel of a horse. And you oh, gotta yeah. catch it as it tries, as it speeds away from you. And it's just like all these real, really <laughs> weird. And that all take, and these objects of power are just like all through the world. Like, I've seen one recently that is just a rubber duck sitting there, but it's got some kind of, like, the colors fading off of it in a weird way, so you know it's something, and I haven't mm-hmm. figured out how to get to it yet. So, you know, it's it's got all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, but all the dossiers and stuff talk about uh, interesting stories. I know there's one thing in one of the dossiers I read talking about uh, a couple years ago in Cuba when the sonic weapons, uh, where they think that... Uh, some emissaries were hit with sonic weaponry that made them sick. At, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And um, 
they basically said, oh, yeah, that's a good cover story. We'll use that. And hopefully that'll keep things quiet until the cellular degeneration starts. And you're just like, <laughs> what? So it's like they even pull like real world stuff into it. Um, and then one of the coolest things that they do is there you find these also messages from the book club. And the book club is like, they're all reading this book. Uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, About You or something like that. But what's funny is when you start reading everybody's book report, they start gossiping about other people. But also, it's very clear that everybody's reading the same book, but they're not. <laughs> like, one's a, one's a science fiction story, but somebody else is a love story. And it's like, they're all describing a different book, but it has the same name. It's just just weird shit like that. Like, what in the hell is this game? So, huh. But uh, I brought up the Threshold Kids stuff earlier because something that's floated around the internet since, like, 2007. So I think that's 12 years ago. Jeez um, Louise, yeah. The CIA, if you go to their website, they have a for kids section. Have hmm. you ever seen this? No, I almost spit my beer out. Yeah, there's literally a section of the CIA website called CIA for Kids. And, like, it's just like, oh, I I won't work on mobile phones. It's called Kids Zone is what it's actually well, called. Well, damn it, Rob, you have perfect timing because I'm sitting here trying to go to the CIA website on my phone. <laughs> but it's got, like, K through 5th grade. And it says, you know, it says, uh, it says a bird's eye view of the CIA history. And it just gives, like, you know, something for, you know, this age group here. And then, like, this K to 12 or the six through 12, it gives them a little bit more. Uh, and, but it also has stuff like, do you want to become a CIA agent? <laughs> and, uh. and weird shit like that. And then it has something called games and it's stuff like puzzles and word find and concentrations. And, uh, you know, where you got to concentrate and try to match things up like you would, but it even gets into stuff like code breaking where they Jesus. give you like, the like, oh, A equals this, or one equals this, and B equals this, and you've got to use this code to break these codes. So it's like literally they're training kids at a young age games to help them become That's code breakers. Weird. So at what point playing this game does it say, okay, now pause the game and go meet a guy named Terry at the corner, and he's going to give you a little piece of paper to put on your tongue, and now it's freaking <laughs> MKUltra.com. Right. And these kids right. are going to be acid, you know, nuts while they do all these uh, puzzles and shit. Yeah, and there's even like a photo analysis challenge where you have to uh, study photos and you get like like three minutes to tell the difference between them. Well, what's really sad about this is... So like the cicada thing that came out a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What'd you say? The cicada, you remember when they were talking about how... Like, oh, the yeah, yeah. They'd have that, uh, you'd like deconstruct this photo and it would lead you, lead you to another website. And then buried in that website was another photo with a hidden message. And then like it had something at the end of it, it had something to do with cicadas and you had to be at mm -hmm. France at like, you know, midnight on New Year's Eve. And like only the top like five people were like chosen. And then like nobody ever heard from them ever again. Yeah. I don't think they ever kind of had a uh, resolution to that. Yeah. Interesting. Well, what's really sad about this is, you know, Rob, when we get off of this website, I mean, this episode, Preston and I are going to go get our fucking junior CIA badges, right? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not going to bed till like two o'clock until I beat all the challenges. It's completed. Yeah, it's in the mail. Yeah. I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be like, 
I'm gonna have a message on my pillow. It's gonna be like, "Thank you for the two new agents." I'm like, "What?" It's gonna say B one plus B two equals X, and you're like, "Oh wait!" And you solve it, and it says, "Rob, we're in." <laughs> <laughs> Come to France. <laughs> right. You're gonna wake up with a pile of dead cicadas on your pillow. Like, what the fuck? Uh, uh, but one of my other favorite things so far I've ran into early on in, in Control is the uh, Oceanside Motel, which is in Idaho or Iowa or something like that. I can't remember where they... But it's like basically like one of these old motels that you would visit as a kid. Mm-hmm. And honestly, there's like all kinds of like ashtrays sitting around. And dude, I could literally smell the motel, that smell of what it would smell like because I could just remember that smell of those old cigarette trays... Oh and, yeah, and and the old motels where you know everything had kind of seeped into the, the smoke had seeped into the couches and stuff, but you yeah. keep going back to this one and there's all these weird symbols on the door and you find dossiers about oh we can only open one of these doors and it always leads to some kind of pyramid that called uh, it's just weird it's just like some black <laughs> and white pyramid it's just it's just crazy it always leads back to these light switches and you have to solve these puzzles by pulling the light switches it's. Just it's just a very interesting game, and it just yeah, it, it just sucked awesome. me into because of the whole weirdness factor of everything. Well, but I remember a, you said last night like we were going to talk about this tonight, and you're going to look up some topics, but you're almost nervous to like just blatantly type, you know, uh, paranormal tie-ins to right. control the game because you didn't want to ruin it because you hadn't finished it yet. Right? So. Yeah, I played a little bit more today. I get frustrated when I die though because I'm like, I just want to, I just want to figure out what's going on with the story. Yeah, and then I'll die. And I'm like, man. <laughs> so that's badass though um but yeah uh so i you know talking about uh, alternative dimensions and stuff like that i had heard this story on coast to coast years ago and i could never verify where it came from and it, i was like always i was always fascinated with those stories you've always had that one supernatural story that you're fascinated with and this one always kind of stuck with me um, and I happened to just come across it last night, so, uh, but it's talking about parallel or Earths and such uh-huh. like that. And it says, four girls returning from a Utah rodeo in the May of 1972 were plucked from the universe and thrust into a world of bizarre terror. The misadventures began as the foursome motored down Utah Highway 56 on a dark, moonless night, and they approached the Medina Railroad Crossing landmark. The girls' names, according to the editor at UFO Roundup, have been changed to protect their identity. A bit more investigation, however, uncovered the fact that two of the girls were sisters and the third girl is a first cousin. The fourth girl was a friend of one of the sisters. Since the real names were not used, no names will be used in this description of the high strangeness that followed. Uh, Their auto, described as a 1971 Chevy Nova, was owned by the father of the two sisters. They were given permission to use the car to Alter to attend a popular rodeo held annually near Teoshe, Nevada, about 180 miles northeast of Las Vegas. At approximately 10 p.m. as the four, all students at Southern Utah University drove back to the dorm, they approached the foreboding region where Gadotin Canyon waited. Legends claim that beyond the canyon was a doorway to another world, an evil dimension of horror and madness that the early Utah settlers avoided at all costs. Through the years, it was said, many wagon trains carried passengers and cargo became lost in the twisting labyrinth of the horrible place. Anything or anyone that entered this hellish portal was lost forever, never to be seen again. 
Some claimed robbers waylaid unwary travelers. Others swore the spirits of the damned roamed the Nevada line during the darkness of the night. The Book of Mormon taught the faithful that the area was haunted by the Nephite and Lamanite, terrorist criminals whose legions grew from before the days of Christ walked upon the earth. So is the legend of the Book of Mormon. As the girls approached the Union Pacific Rail Line, the headlights of their car lit up a sharp fork ahead. The road leading off Highway 56 looked inviting. It seemed to be a more direct route back to their dorms. Their landlady, a stickler on curfews, always locked the door at midnight, and it was already half past ten. None of the girls relished the thought of arriving late and being forced to sleep in the car. The opportunity to take what seemed to be a shortcut strongly appealed to them. The mysterious road curved sharply away from the main road toward the direction of the ominous Gadianton Canyon in the distance. Despite the stories of the canyon, the girls decided to take the road. Uh, they chatted happily about their day's events as the car wound uh, its way deeper into the foreboding canyon. As they drove, the dark rock walls inched ever closer to crumbling edge of their ribbon, thin ribbon of asphalt. Somewhere along the way, the road changed from an asphalt pavement to cracked concrete. Abruptly, one of the girls shrieked, Look out! The road suddenly ended at a towering rock wall. They were boxed in by the canyon and had no choice but to turn around and go back to the way they came. The three girls moaned and complained to the driver. Now that all they had to do was sleep in the car. They never make it back to the dorm in time, because the shortcut cost them at least a wasted half hour of driving. As they wound their way back towards Highway 56, they left the walls of the oppressive canyon behind them and emerged into a countryside again. Several minutes passed before they noticed the landscape had dramatically changed. What was desolate, windswept desert sand dotted with dry sagebrush, stubby Achilleo and gnarled Spanish bayonet was now lush fields of ripening wheat under a clear moonlit sky. In the distance, the water of a large lake shimmered silvery under a bright moon. Yet the moon should not have been visible that night. Later, they recalled at the moment they felt that they had driven into a different world. The events that followed proved them right. As they continued onward, they marveled at the tall stands, strands of Pandarosa pine where no such tree should have existed in the desert. Suddenly, a bright light off the roadway ahead captured their attention. Now the girls were on edge. They had no idea where they were, and whatever it was, it didn't look like either Utah or Nevada. Maybe someone could help point them in the right direction so they could get back on the Highway 56 and finally reach their dorm. Approaching the light ahead of them, they discovered it came from a large building, some kind of roadhouse or restaurant. The place sat in the middle of a large parking lot, and a blazing neon sign on the roof spelled out a message. At least that's what the girls assumed the sign was for, because they couldn't read it. The sign's brilliantly glowing symbols were composed of strangely twisted lines creating a mosaic of weird curves, a written language unknown to any of them. Without warning, very tall people burst from the roadhouse. Quite a number poured through the front door, spilling into the parking lot. Some of the roadhouse people seemed upset by the girls' arrival. They waved their arms at their, the girls. Others shouted and pointed at the girls and the Nova. Later, the girls recalled the people from the roadhouse seemed shocked and frightened at the appearance of the Chevrolet during uh, driving into the parking lot. As the girls pulled into the lot, one of them in the back seat got a good look at the thing of people milling. A good look at the throng of people milling outside the building. The girl who got first good look at the growing crowd let out a blood-curdling scream. According to transcript uh, appearing on Sightings.com, the girls' conversation at the point became panic-stricken. In 
Jane choked with rising horror. What? Get out of here, the girl screamed. Punch it. Then the other girl in the back seat caused a chilling glimpse of the, caught a chilling glimpse of the people moving towards them. Still got a good look at their faces. Step on it, she yelled, her voice shaking with tears. Burning rubber, the Nova fishtailed from the straight, straight roundhouse. Now the girls in the rear seemed sobered in terror. Halting their explain, haltingly they explained the girls in the front seat what they had dreamed, why they had dreamed. The thing they saw back at the roadhouse had first looked like people, but when they got a better look, it was approaching them. It wasn't clear these things. It was very clear these things weren't human. Human. Whenever the four girls were, they were not near Bodana. Uh, were they anywhere near a place they'd ever heard of on Earth? To their, and their, then their horror intensified. As they raced through the foreboding night on a strange road passing the strange lake, intense lights lit up their car from behind. The girls in the back seat, uh, the lights at the same time the driver saw them in the rearview mirror. Oh my God, they're coming after us. Go faster. Four freakish egg-shaped vehicles hummed and whirled loudly, closing in on the speeding Nova. Each small vehicle had one large headlight and two front wheels. From what the girls could see, the vehicles had only one rear wheel. Go faster, they're gaining on us. The Nova's engines soared as it sped crept towards 80 miles per hour. Still, the crazy egg-shaped cars pursued them. Then the girls were back into the canyon. The Nova's roaring engines reverberated off the sheer rock walls, a rooster tail of dust that rose up behind them, and soon none of the girls could spot the whirling egg-shaped things in as they flew out of the canyon and into the desert, the road before them all but disappeared. The cars bucked crazily over sagebrush and sand, although it quickly slowed the Nova and skidded out of control, sliding into an aerial and crashing into the bottom. The engine died. Although badly shaken, none of the girls were seriously hurt. The car, however, was undrivable. Three of the four tires were flat. After <laughs> sledding into the car until sunrise, sleeping in the car until sunrise, they walked towards Highway 56 several miles away. Finally tired and hungry and still terribly frightened by their unworldly experience, they spotted a Utah Highway Patrol car and waved it down. The trooper listened to their story. So, uh, it goes on, but again, there's your story about like an alternate dimension. I've always liked that story quite a bit. What the fuck? Yeah, that's terrible. But, you know, is that just something that they made up because they wrecked the car? You know, were they drunk and wrecked the car? And so they're like, we got to come up with a story. I saw tall people. Shut up. That was the LSD, Mary. Uh, <laughs> right. They had to come up with a story and they made sure to write it down while they were drunk. <laughs> so, but I, I've always had a fascination with that story. And that's like the first time I had seen it. I'd actually read it on a different website and it was very short. And I was like, oh, okay, well, go to this website. It's a little longer. I didn't realize it was two years that I was going to be reading this story. But <laughs> yeah, uh, but I don't know. I just just seeing this roadhouse with the squiggly lettering that nobody could read is just that's just creepy to me. That is really neat. I mean that that story kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with the idea of people like you know they're driving down highways at night. They go through some fog. The next thing you know, they pull up to like a lone diner, you know, and they're the only ones in there besides mm-hmm. like one or two people. And then the next morning they wake up. And they're trying to tell, like, the bed and breakfast people the diner they went to. And they're like, oh, that diner hasn't been there for 54 years. It burned down in, you know, 48. Or the, or the story. A.K.A. time slips. Or the story <laughs> yeah. that I've heard some several times before, too, about they come into this diner. Everybody, as soon as they walk in, just start watching them. And mm-hmm. they just eat. They're sitting there eating their food. And everybody in the whole diner just, like, watches them because they're outsiders. And it's very weird. Right. Um, These people eat with their faces. <laughs> 
another story I had never heard before that I thought was kind of interesting too. Uh, another out of time story. You know, we always heard about the Torrid story and stuff like that about the man that showed up at the at the airport with the uh, with a a uh, passport from a city that doesn't exist and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but this is an interesting one. Uh, and it's from years. It's from 1851, so you know, probably a grain of salt, something to sell newspapers or whatever in the day. But in 1851, a man calling himself Jofar Voren was found wandering in a German village of Frankfurt, Adir, Odir, Oder, alone, speaking broken German. The traveler spoke and wrote in unknown language. He called Loxarian and uh, Abriman. Abriman. He represented that he was from Loxaria, an area of the globe called Sacria, separated from Europe by a vast ocean. This baffled the authorities because neither of the places existed anywhere on their map of the world. He says the religion is Christian in forms and doctrine, and that it is called Ipsitation. Loxaria he represents to be many hundred miles from Europe and separated vast oceans from it. His purpose in coming to Europe, he alleges, was to seek a long-lost brother, but he suffered a shipwreck on the voyage where he does not know, not can be traced, not know. He suffered a shipwreck on the voyage where he does not know, nor can he trace his route on shore or any other map or globe. He claims for the unknown, <laughs> uh, claims for his unknown race a considerable share of geographic, gosh, he claims your for words, his Rob, make him loud. <laughs> he claims for his unknown race a considerable share of geographic knowledge, the five great compartments, quote unquote, continents of the earth. He calls Sakira, Alfar, Astar, Aziar, and Uiflar. Whoever he was, Voltar's tale is something uses in evidence for teleportation, parallel universes, and such like. So yeah, this guy just kind of shows up. No one's ever heard, you know, he does not speak in the language. He says he was in a shipwreck, talking about countries that don't exist. Right. Wow. Um, and I'd never heard that story. No, I, I heard the one about the airport that you were talking about mm-hmm. with the guy with the passport from, you know, nowhere. Interesting. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but yeah, so that's kind of a few things that they talk about in control along with some astral projection stuff and, uh, they even they even had like a float tank room when they talked about that too a little bit about <laughs> seeing dimensions and stuff when you're in the float tank. So there's all kinds well, of stuff going on in control. I uh you talked about astral projection and I was reading a story earlier today about astral projection and I wanted to share it because it kind of has to do with some of the stuff that you see in meditation and in coincidentally in float tanks. So and I'll paraphrase this but this guy lives with his roommate in this small town and all the, you know, facts and stuff have been changed. And it's kind of one of those anonymous Reddit stories, but mm-hmm. lives in a small town right outside of New York. And he starts kind of wanting to experiment with meditation and with astral projection. So he looks up, you know, that the, the 10 steps to astral projecting. And one of the main steps they said was when you're ready to go to bed, you want to lie on your back, head pointed towards the ceiling and your right arm extended out uh, to a perpendicular. Yeah, your right arm's extended out perpendicular to your body. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of laying there, you know, with your arms flat against your side, but your right arm's extended out. And you want to make a fist. 
and you want to hold your fist and you want to stare straight up at the sky at your ceiling uh-huh. and you want to imagine an, an item any anything in your room but you want to imagine this item and you want to imagine it in front of your face mm-hmm. so the guy imagines a backpack and what you have to do is you have to imagine this item going farther and farther and farther away from your vision until it almost vanishes mm-hmm. and while you're doing that you're squeezing this fist and as you get more and more tired, supposedly your arm is supposed to fall asleep before your body. Mm-hmm. And so you, when you finally let go of your fist and your hand relaxes, that's when you know you're kind of at that point where you can safely almost lucid dream slash project. Mm-hmm. So he says he's got his eyes closed and he's watching this backpack go farther and farther and farther away from him in his mind's eye. And then he starts to see these swirling lights, these neon swirling lights in his periphery. And it's kind of like Preston and I talked about with the uh, float tank. That's like your uh, your meditation lights. Uh-huh. And you can imagine these kind of like swirling and tie-dyes and technicolor and stuff like that. And he said the backpack's pretty much all but disappeared, and he sees these lights. And then all of a sudden, he starts to feel his body vibrating, like the soft humming coming from inside his body. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, he feels as though he's lifting up out of his body like a vacuum just, shoop, just sucks him up. And he's floating into the sky farther and farther and farther in his imagination. And then all of a sudden, he sees something coming towards him. And this thing looks like a face. And he, he's completely asleep. So his body is completely numb. He mm-hmm. can't move it. All he can do is float and think and then move like his spiritual body. And his face gets closer and closer, kind of like almost like the backpack is going in reverse and making its way back towards him. And he's like, what the fuck? This backpack has a face. And it gets larger and larger. And now it's this ghastly wrinkled like decomposing fleshy face with these big black slanted eyes and where the nose used to be there's just these gnarled up nostrils and the lips are peeled away and it's just like this gash full of like these gangly rotting teeth and it's funny because it almost reminds me of uh rick and morty (laughs) (laughs) show me what you got and it looks at him And it opens its mouth to say something to him. And as soon as it does, he's just so full of fear. He goes flying back down and crashes back into his body. And he wakes up and he's like, oh, God, just out of breath. And it's like, what the fuck just happened? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And like he says, he leans over and he looks towards the hallway. And he thought he heard his his roommate walking around. But his roommate's nowhere to be seen. He can softly hear him almost snoring down the hallway. Uh Uh-huh. But what he realizes is what he hears moving around the carpet is this black shadowy figure with a large brimmed hat, which kind of sounds a lot, you know, a a lot like Scratch. Yeah, shadow people in the hat man and shit like that. And he gets terrified. He falls asleep. And then he wakes up the next morning and he just feels completely unrested. And he goes through his day. He goes to class. He comes home. He eats dinner and he goes to bed. And as soon as he falls asleep, it's like Groundhog's Day. He imagines the backpack. The backpack floats away. The face comes towards him. He, and all of a sudden, he sees this black shadowy figure walking towards him in the dream. He wakes up. He rolls over, and he swears he sees in the corner of his eye this guy. And so things progress, and it starts to start. It starts to haunt him in real life. He's in class. He'll look outside in the courtyard and see about 50 feet away, you know, this blurry shape of a man with a, a flat-billed hat on flat-brimmed hat. He goes to the gym. He'll be running on a treadmill. He'll glance over, and across the gym, there'll be the same fucking guy, the hat man, just staring at him. People are can, like people can walk through it. People run through it. People, you know, pass through it. It's not effective. It's just staring at him this whole time. Mm. 
And then it gets to where he'll be driving down the highway. He'll glance over and the thing will be standing on the side of the road. And so he said uh, it got to the point where he was getting ready to move to a big city, getting ready to move actually into New York. And he's still practicing this this, um, astral projection. Every night he goes to bed, he tries so hard to project. He shoots out of the body. He goes up into, you know, the ether, the astral plane. And this fucking hat man is just there waiting for him. And then it gets bad enough where finally it kind of comes to a head where his girlfriend came over one night whenever his roommate was gone and he hasn't told anybody. And he said he's laying there in the bedroom watching TV with his girlfriend. The lights are off. She starts to fall asleep. And all of a sudden he looks over and out of the hallway walks this hat man. And he gets closer and closer and closer until he's like maybe, I don't know, 12 inches away. And he stops and he leans over. And when the head lifts up, he pulls the hat up a little bit. And it's that same nasty, fleshy looking, you know, alien corpse face. And he goes to scream to wake up his girlfriend and the thing puts its hand out in front and shushes his lips and just smiles his fucking ugly-ass toothy grin and then walks away through the wall and disappears. And at that point, that's when he asks Reddit, you know, please help. I don't know what to do. Mm. I don't know what I've unlocked. But basically, I feel like um, I, I may have brought something back with me from the astral range. And so... From there on, you have people who are like, bruh, you need to get some, you know, an exorcism, you need to sage your house, all this <laughs> kind of stuff. And then finally, someone's like, you need to go to like a medium or a psychic and see if they can kind of help, you know, cleanse you of this. And he's like, you know, I thought about that, but basically the only medium in my town um, works and operates his business out of his house. And I just feel like it's some woo-woo tarot card reader, so... <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, it's it's super interesting to me when they talk about that uh, that astral plane because that's similar to the mind space you get in whenever you know I did that first float tank. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, I I got in this habit now if I get off work early enough and Shayla's not home, I'll lay on the couch and try to catch like a quick nap. And the weirdest shit happened the other day. I was laying there on my back and the sun's kind of shining in through the curtains. And I'm trying to fall asleep, and it's that sleep I finally get where I can hear everything around me. I just can't respond to mm-hmm. it. So, like, your body is asleep, but you're still kind of aware. And the weirdest shit happened. Out of nowhere, I started seeing those same kind of meditation lights swirling, tie-dyed shit in my periphery. And it starts swirling almost like a windmill. And then I heard the weirdest, like, off-key 8-bit, like, in my <laughs> ear. And it startled me to the point where, like, you're asleep and you hear a noise and you want to sit up and I tried to sit up and my body was frozen and right about the time I freak out like what the fuck's going on uh, my phone rang and Shayla had woke me up telling me that she's on her way home and we're going to go get something to eat for dinner but I remember like just being in that weird plane like I'm not trying anything weird I'm not trying to do any of this weird astral projection shit but like what the fuck was that <laughs> <laughs> like a glitch in the matrix because I wish I could reproduce that noise because it was just like playing Atari and just hearing just a weird, like, burner. Yeah. But, hmm. yeah, it's unexplainable. Preston, have you done any of that lately? Like, any meditation or anything like that? I uh, I haven't in, a, haven't in a while since I've done my last float, but I came across um, a, a new technique for astral projecting <laughs> called uh, nice. the Red Bull technique. And uh, basically, so when you, when you go to sleep at night... Um, most people, <laughs> yeah, most, most, well, no. 
So most people, like, you know, you, you kind of have, like, a sleep pattern. So you'll wake up, let's say, like, 2 o'clock in the morning every morning or 1 o'clock in the morning every morning. So you keep the can of Red Bull, Monster, whatever it is, um, next to your bed. And the minute you wake up in the middle of the night, um, shotgun it. So you crack open the Red Bull, <laughs> you shotgun it real quick, and you go back to sleep. What uh-huh. happens is because it takes for it takes a little bit for all the B vitamins and taurine and all that to kick in. Um, your brain and body starts to go back to sleep, so your brain gets into like the REM cycle. Uh-huh. But then all of a sudden, the rest of your body, like your heart, kicks in, and like you're like spring break. Crack- <laughs> yeah, you're like on crack cocaine. <clears throat> And what that does is it makes your body awake, but your brain not. So it stimulates almost like sleep paralysis and helps you get um, into the state of mind where you can actually astral project. So Red Bull does give you wings. I feel like all that's going to do is induce a Freddy Krueger dream where, like, you're riding motocross (laughs) (laughs) with Freddy Krueger trying to kill you. (laughs) I don't know. That for some reason, when Preston told me that story, it reminded me of that joke I heard today on Facebook, one of those little memes where it's like Grandpa says, Back in my day, I worked three times as hard as you did. And then the grandkid says, Well, back in your day, Grandpa, Coke had real cocaine in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine, like, I don't know. I would love to try an original Coke just once to see the kind of rush you get. I'm not trying to advocate illegal drug use, but... Dude, you wouldn't even have to drink Coke. They literally sold cocaine for tooth pain medicine back in the old day. Oh, that's right. Dude, you could find so much of the shit that's illegal now back on drugstore shelves in like the early 1900s before regulations and stuff. They had cocaine for tooth pain. They had morphine for... uh, Hell, they they mean had morphine. A lot of stuff went to tooth pain, and honestly, as people, as a person that has tooth pain, I would understand why. Because I've never felt anything that hurts as bad as teeth. But the thing is, like, we're also giving illicit drugs for like the one thing you can't prove you don't have. Like, (laughs) oh, my jaw hurts. I need a bump. (laughs) (laughs) Liquid cocaine. It's the thing for you. Yeah, at 10, 2, and 4. That's Dr. Pepper. Get out of my office. <laughs> what do you think oh, the no. doctor was prescribing, yo? Shit. <laughs> well, I mean, just think of it back in the day, too. Like the, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I always heard why the vibrator was invented. Because women were going to the doctor for hysterics. And, yeah, uh, yeah. And doctors would basically... Uh, give them an orgasm and send them back home, and their hands are yeah. so sore from doing such things that they had to prescribe. They prescribed the vibrator, so you could just go to the doctor and be like, "Oh yeah, I feel crazy," and he would just diddle the devil out of you. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with your arm, Doctor Phillips? I had to masturbate Mrs. Timmons today. I'm a little sore, so then that's how we got the dildo. If only there was something that could do it for me. <laughs> That this conversation got way off topic. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, we should do an episode on. Um, I don't, I don't want to encroach on you know how things work on their show. We should do an episode where we talk about just weird shit and where it came from, though. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. Well, boys, I think we did it. We went from Buddhist robots all the way to uh, astral projecting and everything in the middle. Um, I say, I say, we go ahead and call it and here. Doctor-patient relationships. Hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, back before they had HIPAA. <laughs> well, Rob, are you watching anything uh, lately that you think is worthy of mentioning to the listeners? Uh, no, but I'm all excited about that Hell Year Season 2 coming. Shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah you talk about like uh, that story being one of the things that you're the most enthralled with. I have always just been like knee-deep in uh, the Kentucky Goblin story, so the fact that that's finally getting its due is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I did watch or not. I did watch all the boys in like a day because <laughs> mm-hmm. that show yeah. was really good. Like that's one Jesus. of the first shows everybody's like, you need to watch this. I'm like, I don't want to watch it because everybody's watching it. I'm like, oh, shit, it's really good. Yeah. Yep. Seth was trying to get me to watch it for like a week. And finally, I said, OK, it's one thirty in the morning. I'm supposed to work the next morning at like nine. And I watched the first episode. And the next thing you know, I'm like, I have got to peel myself away from this <laughs> and go to bed. <laughs> Uh, Preston, have you watched it yet? No, I haven't got around to it, no. but uh, you know, I will. It's so good, man. It really is. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah, the uh, uh, a television show that ties in really well with uh, tonight's topic is Wormwood on Netflix, yes. which is a limited series uh, about MK Ultra oh. and uh, bioengineering, uh, chemical warfare, <gasps> um, and the CIA and all this other bullshit. So go watch that. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I need to get back to it and watch it again because it was truly, truly fascinating. Uh, what I'd watched so far, and I can't think of what the guy's what was the guy's name. How old is it? The, How long has it been out? Um, uh, two two years, oh. year and a half. Yeah, who was it? Um, Frank Olson is that who it was? Frank Olson was yeah. the guy. He was yep. the biologist that they drugged with the LSD and he freaked out and like jumped out his window in his hotel. Or did he jump out the window? Yeah. I need to watch that. Cause it's it's like a drama. uh, What do they call that? Biodrama or yeah. Drama. Yeah. It's just got kind of like a reenactment mixed with the actual, you know, documentary. So yeah, it looks pretty cool. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, Rob, I know you also would recommend playing control, right? Yep. I would definitely recommend that. Hell yeah. Um, real quick, how did you enjoy the Blair Witch game? Did you play much of that? I, I played about, about I want to say about an hour of that. It's okay. It's kind of, so far it's been like a walking simulator kind of thing where you're okay. walking through the woods and it's like you got a dog with you and the dog's like, can help you find clues and stuff. But I, I don't know. To me, it's, I, I want to get to something else. It, honestly, it feels like if you like the Blair Witch show, you probably would have liked the game. I hated <laughs> the Blair you'll Witch love movie. the game. So yeah, but because I felt like I walked in a circle and ended up back where I started, and I'm and I just oh. wanted to be looking at a camera and go, "What is going on?" <laughs> and then your dog says, "Rut row." Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting for that to come out to play, and uh, I'm hoping it turns out to be more well, than just a simulation. But at least it's a at least it's Game Pass, so you don't have to pay anything for it. That's very true. I can't think of anything else that I'm watching either, really. We kind of wrapped up a lot of stuff. Oh, there is a, a show on uh, Netflix called Magic for Humans, which is a lot of fun because I fucking love magic. <laughs> and it's more street magician, you know, hijinks, but it's pretty fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. And then uh, this episode will drop Wednesday uh, this week, and the following night, uh, It Chapter 2 drops. Whoop, whoop. Either. So um, when are, are you guys planning on seeing that this weekend? Yeah, think, what's, the, what's the plan? I think I'm going to go see it on Saturday with Mom. Hell yeah. I'm doing a, a barbecue competition to raise money for ch- the Children's Hospital this weekend, uh-huh. so I won't be able to see it till next week. So. Damn, Daniel. 
Oh yeah, well, it's for I'm hungry gonna, children. Yeah, we're gonna have to say off. You know the who else likes? While. Who else is not as hungry for children? Pennywise. Dairy Queen. Dairy Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, the joke's sitting right there. Who's gonna jump on it? <laughs> and pretty much too hell yeah alright well guys um, we'll wrap it up if you uh, do us a favor check out Rob damn it Rob every time you're on the show I always say check out Rob's solo show <laughs> check out Mark's solo show pixelated sausage check out uh, his video game reviews and whatnot, and hijinks on attack the backlog and uh, Preston what's my favorite race car podcast ever Sports Cars Unleashed, where if you're not first, you're last. Oh, yeah. Are they making new episodes of that? Does anybody know? I don't know. I mean, if not, hell, there's probably a backlog there for someone. Yeah, there's to jump definitely on. a backlog. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at some point in the future, we may be revi- reviving our D and D games again too. Ooh. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I would enjoy doing that most definitely. Cool, hell yeah. Maybe we could record that, and uh, if it's any good, we could drop it for people to listen to, a little bonus stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Well, if you need a beard, if you want a beard, if you want to grow a beard that'll keep you out of a Dairy Queen patty, check out <laughs> BigDobsBeardBomb.com and use promo code PXLPARA for 20% off your order, and you can use that to get you citrus, Dundee cedar, uh, sweet tobacco, Classic. I mean, mint. I, I've been rocking mint for I don't know how long now, and I don't get tired of it. Fresh is pretty good, too. You know what? Just check it all out. Check out Dobbs. Get some oil. Get some balm. And when you check out, make sure you use that code. Hell. Use that code. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah. And then check out our friends over at uh, Gunslinger Soap as well. They have some really great soap that'll take the funk out of your monk. Take the funk off yeah. the junk? <laughs> there you go. Thanks. <laughs> wow, it was right there, and you just, just didn't, oh, didn't grasp that. Thank God one. you're here, Rob. It was on the tip. It we was need... on the tip. <laughs> just need... like the soap should be. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we needed to grown up, and Rob answered the call. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. And then lastly, guys, um, as always, you will never get anything extra from us, no matter how much money you pay us. But if you'd like to throw a few shillings, there is a Patreon listed in the show notes on uh, at least iTunes. So if you want to throw a few bucks, you can. If not, you're still awesome, and we still love Wait, you. Wait, we have a Patreon? Mark does, not us. <laughs> yeah, Mark's got a Patreon. Oh, Mark. Rab- okay. I thought you said we do. I was like, hold up. I should be <laughs> getting residuals from this. <laughs> yeah, residually nothing. Um, no, it's it's for the network. It's just for pixelated okay. sausage for the network. That's yep. different. Keep, gotcha. Keeps things going. Yeah. Keeps things rolling. Cool, guys. All right. Thank you so much for listening. We will catch you all next time with part two of Preston's Star People. Who knows? Maybe Rob will be there. If my money was on it, I'm not a betting man. I won't be there. <laughs> but eventually, when we get to hell your part two, yeah. we're going to get Rob out of the retirement home for that one, folks. Yeah. Hell yeah. Cool. Rob, thanks so much, dude, for jumping on. It was it really was a blast. Yeah, no It's always problem. nice when Daddy comes home every once in a while to see us. <laughs> All right, say spooky and stay on the Paranormal Highway. The cast at Pixelated Paranormal would like to thank you for listening to this week's episode. Pixelated Paranormal is here to tell you tales of the fantastical, the strange, the unknown. Tales that will move you a little further down the Paranormal Highway. If you'd like to share your own listener story, we would love to hear it. Email us at pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. Again, that's pixelatedparanormal at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you. Again, 
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Pixelated Paranormal, your guide to the unusual and the strange. Presto, you recording? Yeah. All right. Let's do the old three, two, one. Pop, pop, pop. Wait, hold on, hold on. <laughs> let's let's start that all over because I was let's because it's like you did the we're gonna do the old three, two, one. Pop, and I didn't know I was supposed to say pop then. I thought we were getting ready to do it. That's so. fine. Just well, okay. Keep recording, and right. we're just gonna roll with the second mm-hmm. one. Right. So when we all three say pop, and again, you don't have to yell pop, you can just say pop, then uh, you start whenever you're ready. All right, S- Steven, and it's on the count of three, <laughs> three, two, one, then pop. Uh, okay, ready? All right, take two. Three, two, one, pop, pop. pop. Where's my mouse? There it is, okay.